Good day, my friends, and welcome to the Craig Shapiro Tennis Podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Diodora, brand made legendary by Bjorn Borg, currently worn by world number 25, Jan Leonard Struff, world number 60, Martina Trevisan. See them at Diodora.com. Use my code APPROVED in all caps at hollabirdsports.com for 15% off of all Diodora performance tennis shoes. She was born in Moscow, Russia in 2003 and won the prestigious Le Petit A 14 and under title in Tarbes, France in 2017. Just this past January, she came through qualies and beat Cornet, Wozniacki, and Haddad Maya on her way to the second week of the Australian Open. She, along with the player Ekaterina Kazianova, document their trials and tribulations on tour through their YouTube show, Kiss My Ace. Maria Masha Timofieva is today's guest. Are you in Indian Wells? Are you in Palm Desert? Yes, yes, I'm currently here. <laughs> and you you were just in San Diego. Uh, yes, yes, we came from there. You played qualies there, but what I didn't I, I didn't see did you stop. Do you have an injury? Uh, yeah, unfortunately, right before my match, I accidentally sprained my ankle by falling down the stairs. But uh, luckily now everything is okay. So we've been practicing for two days already. So everything looks fine so far. So yeah, I'm just looking forward to playing in the NLs healthy. <laughs> you fell downstairs. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was a like little accident. <laughs> my, my fault, like, yeah, just uh, unlucky. You fell downstairs on on property at the tournament. Uh, no, no, I was just walking out of the house, and uh, oh. there was like a small staircase, and uh, I was bringing out my bags, and I like, <laughs> that, that, I guess I just didn't see the stair, and I fell down. Like, oh my god, small injury, like luckily nothing too serious, but yeah. So we just wanted to play it safe. For our listeners, a young woman, you hear. Uh, made a big splash, came through qualies and and uh, got to the fourth round of the Australian Open. She was born in Moscow. She went from 170 to 100 and currently s- sits in the rankings at 103. And that's Maria Timofieva. And they call you Masha, is that right? Uh, yeah, Masha. Masha is like my go-to name. Like my people call me that mostly. And I had that all right. Yeah, yeah, you got it correct. <laughs> very good. Very nice to see you. Um, you know, as I told you just a second ago, I saw you play in Australia, and I was curious about you. So it's great to have you on the show. My pleasure. As you know, we do a, we do a five-set format. The first set's the off-the-court report. So did you just come from the Middle East? Were you in, you, were, you played Dubai? Yeah, yeah, we've been there. That was my first experience on this kind of tournament. So, yeah, we just came from there straight to San Diego and uh, Indian Wells, Miami. So your whole schedule changed? Uh, basically, yeah, let's say. <laughs> let's say like this. When you started to see where you were going to move in the ranking when you were in Australia, did you already start planning a different schedule? Well, uh, my yeah, let's say my plan in the beginning of the year before Australia, it was... Uh, 
like after the week of qualies because we didn't know how I will do. It, it was to go on uh, 50Ks in India on ITF tournaments. So that eventually changed after I passed the qualies. But I didn't withdraw from the second tournament because I, like, let's say I was kind of sure that I will not make it to the second week. And I thought, okay, we, anyway, we might go to the, like, second tournament there. But then eventually it's also it was changing and uh, once we saw the ranking is coming up, we decided to try to go to see this Middle East swing and then to hop on the Indian Wells and Miami because eventually Indian Wells and Miami was the goal to play and uh, but we didn't let's say expect at first to gain all the points on through the Australian Open. We're hoping to do that within ITF tournaments and other throughout like February and like end of January. But yeah, it happened how it happened. So anyway, we're here. So that was the goal. <laughs> That's fantastic. Now, have you have you spent much time in the United States? My sense is, is that you have. Uh, right now, like we came here basically like a week and a half ago, I think, maybe a week ago. So yeah. No, no, I mean, in your life, have you been here? Have you been here a lot? Ah, in my life. Well, yeah, that's not my first time in the U.S. I've been coming to practice here in uh, Boca Raton and Rick Macy Academy. So yeah, I've been here like before, let's say quite quite a few times. <laughs> and, and you've been here quite a few times. And, and, and now also, did you play a lot of tournaments here in the United States as a junior? Uh, as a junior, not really. Actually, my first time in the United States was like four or five years ago for the Junior Youth Open. Uh, and then I came also for Junior Orange Bowl uh, same year. Then only I was coming to practice here and play the, some ITF tournaments and uh, Youth Open last year. So Another part of your story, we're going to talk about it later, but you've been a pro player since you were 14 years old. <laughs> But yeah, so I stopped to play juniors quite early. I, I quit, I think. I, I mean, I stopped to play juniors when I was 16. Back then, I was combining professional tournaments with juniors. And after 2019, I felt like to go pro, like completely. But then the COVID hit and it got a bit like delayed. So we had to postpone it. And uh, basically, yeah, like I started to play completely full, like, uh, pro tournaments from 2021 basically when the tournament got re restarted 2021 yeah now why is your english so strong is it <laughs> thank you uh that's flattering but uh, no i think uh, i basically i've been homeschooled since i think the third grade so i didn't really go to school but yeah i've been traveling a lot and i've been practicing abroad so i had many many of my coaches were like foreign coaches and so i had to speak english with them so yeah that basically i think that's how i got it and learned it <laughs> i've got to learn i've got to learn more about you let's get into the second set this is the on the core report so you had had some success in 2023 you were a lucky loser and you won budapest and your ranking went yeah. from 250 to one 120. <laughs> yeah. So explain that. I don't know. Coming to that week, uh, honestly, I was, I don't know, I was kind of down because I had uh, like a bit, like say, like a losing streak. I, I think I back then I lost like four or five matches in a row and I was really kind of depressed, let's say, coming into that tournament, but I was okay, like still believing, you know, and before that tournament, I didn't really like to play on clay court surface. 
like I, I was not a fan of clay and I was looking forward for a clay season to finish like as soon as possible. But then, okay, coming to Budapest, I won one match in qualies. I felt a bit better. Then, okay, I lost tough match in the final rounds. And then I, back again, I was like kind of depressed. And then first time in my life, I received the lucky loser. So that whole week for me already was like, you know, I was coming into the main draw like with without any pressure. And I wanted just to enjoy, you know, that feeling that I got as a lucky loser, like to, I don't know, just to enjoy my time on the court, my first WT main draw. Like it doesn't matter how I got in there, but it was still like first WT main draw. And then I picked up a good win in the first round again, Darius Seville, which was like, ex top 20 top 30 yeah, player course. which was really yeah for me I don't know, really big and uh, then yes yeah, step by step i was gaining some confidence still was not having so much pressure and yeah i was just basically enjoying match, match by match and yeah so now tell me the truth so <laughs> would it would it be fair to say that when the, because you got the lucky loser you got the first round money yeah, yeah. that the money made you relax well, on WTA tour, when you play, I mean, the money is much bigger than an ITF tour and the money I was getting before, but still, like, okay, then I started to compare it to ATP tour. <laughs> but anyway, like, it's still, when I realized, like, by the points-wise and money-wise, it, it was a huge change from the ITF tour and the tournaments I've been playing before. So, yeah, of course, that was, like, let's say I I became kind of competitive about it like about the money and about the points so yeah that was also i think the uh key, key to the result <laughs> you saw it you saw what it was and your eyes kind of got big yeah <laughs> let's say let's say like this <laughs> is that fair to say so, and, yeah, then you, and then did you play well did you feel like you played well to win the tournament yeah i was really happy with my tennis like that week and me and my coach like we were we basically just saw how I raced from the, I don't know, from the very bottom, like, let's say, comparing how I came into the tournament, how I was leaving the tournament. That was a huge change. Like, I was just so happy that I'm improving and I I see the improvement that everything we've been working on all this time is now paying off basically in one week. And, uh, yeah, that made me, yeah, I was very happy. Uh, that we <laughs> you're you're one of the only women in the history of the world to be a lucky loser and to win a tournament well then i started to read like all of this yeah news like uh, news about it and i think i was third or fourth to do so but yeah i mean it was kind of rare and i realized that as well and that yeah that was <laughs> a huge week for me. but hang on but then you went back to zero you were hurt yeah, basically on that tournament. So once I was there, I thought, okay, I'm on the top now in my top shape. Uh, unfortunately, on that tournament, I w I've been playing with the injury, like especially like last two matches, it's been like really bad. I was on painkillers and we didn't know what it was. But after the tournament, we basically did examination and it turned out to be the stress fracture on the foot. Oh. And the bone is also was like a tricky place like to get a stress fracture there so they said it's gonna take some time to heal like originally they said it's you need at least month and a half like without walking basically just like on the crutches some physiotherapy you know just to let it heal and then another 
another like i don't know month month and a half just to get back in shape so that's basically in the end what it took like i didn't play from september till december nothing so yeah <laughs> didn't do anything till the end of the year I, I just played, we went to play US Open because at some point, like in August, we felt better and uh, we did like really intense physiotherapy for two weeks. We, let's say, decided to give it a shot because I didn't feel pain, I could play. So we, we were like, okay. But after the match, it got it got worse because we're supposed to play tournaments like San Diego and Guadalajara and we decided to pull out from there. And yeah, for the next uh, two and a half, three months, I was recovering, getting back in shape, healing the foot. And uh, yeah, luckily now everything is all right. So yeah, here we are. <laughs> and now I know all this stuff because I watch your I watch your uh, vlog, right? Your vlog, uh, Kiss My Ace. Oh, <laughs> yes, yes. Kiss My Ace, Brett. It's my ace. That's your, you and one of your girlfriends has, uh, yeah. what's her name? I'm sorry. Uh, Yekaterina Kazionova. And she's also, yeah, tennis player. So she's also weird. Katerina Kazionova. And, and you and Kazionova, you two go behind the scenes of pro tennis. Uh, let's say, yeah, we try to show another side of like that sometimes it's uh, the picture is not exactly transferring like what it's like to be on tour. Yeah. And uh, we like the first the idea was to show how it is on ITF tournaments because, you know, people don't really see the picture behind it. And we really when me and my friend Ekaterina, we were traveling together on some ITF tournaments. And we had some really tough and funny, sometimes like really tricky situations. And at some point we were like, okay, we need like to let the world know. Like we need to them to find out what is going on behind the scenes. So yeah, that was- You do it in Russian and it's subtitled in English so I could read along. Yeah. Now, yeah. <laughs> but, but I, I could see that, you know, you got to Australia with no expectations. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, let's say so. I mean, there was the beginning of the vlog. It's like really funny to watch now because I was in Canberra on 125k and uh, really I've been not feeling myself. I was also coming back after injury, trying to get back in shape. That was my, I think, second or third, like, let's say normal tournament. And before also, I didn't get to play a lot of matches. I've been losing early and uh, I've been not feeling my tennis. Like I felt in Budapest and I, since since Budapest, I've been comparing my tennis to Budapest tennis, you know, and I was expecting for myself to play really good, but it was not happening. And I was sitting on that, you know, bus stop, like crying. I don't know. Was so yeah. For our, for our listeners, she she loses. Uh, uh, Masha loses in Canberra, and she to punish herself, she wanted to walk home, and she stopped at the bus stop at the bus station. <laughs> And she speaks to the camera, and she's very upset. And uh, I thought it's just fascinating to see. Mm-hmm. But but so, you know, mm-hmm. and then you kind of dusted yourself off, and you got your confidence back. You get to yeah. you get to the Grand, grand Slam. Yeah, yeah. I mean, once you come to the Grand Slam, you know, all of your problems, let's say, seem to go away because you feel the atmosphere. The atmosphere is unbelievable. The organization of the tournament is... I don't know, mind blowing, and you just like want to stay there as long as possible to enjoy this. And uh, yeah, so I was coming there, and I told my coach like before the qualies, like I don't want to, you know, go from here after two days 
So let's stay at least like one week here. Let's try to pass the qualies, see how it goes. And I mean, the goal was to pass the qualies. And that was, I mean, I mean, I would be really happy if I just passed the qualies. But I mean, I'm even more happy how it turned out in the end. So, yeah. <laughs> but listen, you played good players right through qualies. You won six matches. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it was a, like that's, a full tournament. That's like a full tournament. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and that's a great effort. You made two hundred and fifty thousand U.S. dollars. Yeah, uh, yeah. Let's say after taxes. After taxes, a bit less, but anyway. <laughs> after taxes, but now, yeah. but I want to talk about the tournament a little bit. Did you feel like you were playing well, or did you feel like you were playing just okay? And when did you feel like you hit your best level? I think I was also gaining my level of tennis and some confidence throughout the tournament and match by match. Yeah, I mean, first match of qualies, I've been just trying to find myself. I've been trying to stay, like, really focused on the things I, you know, like, just trying to stick to the game plan and to keep going. I mean, it was working throughout the qualies. And then I think with Cornet, pretty much, I was already feeling my level because I was also, like, focused, but many balls which I was hitting just was going in and I was just i was enjoying the atmosphere there so everything was going like really smooth but then with caroline when i was playing with Vesniaki, she let's say outplayed me in the first set and i was feeling a bit nervous of course because that was my first time on the court as big as john kane arena and a lot of people were came to watch so that was like really i mean nervous for me but then in the second set again i got like released i realized that we have nothing to lose just gained from that experience and uh yeah just started to enjoy and i think from from the second set on and onwards like with caroline Wozniak, i've been feeling my level also great match with Hadat maya i played the in the third round and then i think in the fourth round i just got really tired and uh, i mean my opening she played a great match and so yeah I want to talk about it, though. So, you know, you, you came through qualities. You play Alizé Cornet, which had to be her last Australian Open. Yeah. It seemed to me like it was a great draw for you because she was taped up like a mummy. It didn't seem like yeah. she was didn't seem like she was really ready to go. But anyway, she was running. She was running like not one. She was outrunning many players I've played before. So oh, that you, was the oh, oh, do you disagree that she that she was in good form? Yeah, I mean, for me, that was really, really hard match because we had really long rallies and uh, you to win each point against her, you really need to win it. So she will not give it by herself. So you really needed to earn it. And I think, yeah, like that was pretty tough match. And you played that match in the Kia arena. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I was at that match. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, I, I said, oh, this girl can play well. She's she she doesn't really miss in the net. She doesn't really miss. <laughs> and I thought you were playing a good level. We didn't know very much about you. Um, did you realize that that was going to be Cornet's last match? Did, what did your coach tell you before that match? We didn't try to think about it. Like I tried to not to focus on that because, of course, if if I would start to think about it, she's much more experienced that I than I am, especially on like big as big tournaments as the Grand Slams. So yeah, I mean, we just try to play it like any other match. Just stick with the game plan. I mean, I of course I saw her matches. Probably she didn't see mine <laughs> at all before that. So that was my kind of advantage. 
uh, against her. And so, yeah, we just tried to stick with the game plan and not to think about the background too much. And you said that you switched apartments four times. Oh, yeah, that was actually... <laughs> uh, I didn't know that the tournament was offering apartments for the players, which would be, I think, much, much easier if I would book the apartment through the tournament. But I decided to do it myself, like, through the Airbnb. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was booking one apartment, like, for just for one week, for, I think, six nights, because of, the like, the week of qualies. And then we would see how it goes. But then the apartment, they were getting full, like, more and more, like, throughout the tournament. And, I mean, when it came to the second week of the main draw, like, we barely could find anything. So, I mean, we just were staying in the apartment for three, four nights. I mean, we were barely unpacking, you know? We just needed to sleep there. So, we just, like, putting our suitcases there, going spend all the day on courts, and then come back to sleep. (laughs) And now when you're winning these matches, were you doing a lot of Russian press or was it still pretty quiet? Uh, no, it was, I mean, in Russia, it was big news. I mean, people, I came to Moscow after the Australian Open. I had to do something with my like documents for the my, <laughs> my future. So, and people started to recognize me on the street. Like that was the first time people actually recognized me somewhere, not like around tennis courts, just like in some real life around the city. And Moscow is pretty big. So I was really surprised. And but no, I didn't do much like much of the Russian press because I you know I didn't have much time and so I mean so just didn't have the chance to do it. And what about the Russian players? Uh Kasakina, I mean Rybakina is 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 Russian, but yeah, she's from Kazakhstan. Yeah, uh, did you know all them? Were they all saying, hey, great job, keep going, you play well? Uh, no, I mean I of course I knew them, but they didn't know me and they don't know you. Yeah, I mean, now they do, but before that, uh, we didn't really know each other. But throughout the tournament, I was really surprised that some of them and their, like, members of their teams, they were coming to congratulate me, which was really, I mean, I was really flattered and honored that they noticed this and they, like, took their time to come congratulate me. So, yeah, I was really appreciating this. You know, the one thing I can't tell from watching uh, Kiss My Ace is... Do you have other friends outside of the Russians, American friends, any Spanish friends? Do you, do you interact with other people? Well, we, we are not that close, but if we see each other, we're really happy to see each other with text every day. But I mean, now we've been like traveling a lot around with Rebecca Shramkova, for example, from Slovakia. We're really terms with her and uh, our coaches are... I have a good bond, let's say. So, uh, but my closest friends are Russian players because we know each other mostly from the, since we're kids. And uh, yeah, mostly my closest friends are uh, Russians. And and you get to the second round, you play Wozniacki. Um, mm-hmm. Listen, former world number one. Yeah. Uh, what was that match like for you? Uh, well, coming into the match, it was... Not much of expectation because I saw okay, it was her comeback year, let's say, but I saw she was in a good shape. She played, I think, fourth round in the US Open. And I saw some of her matches. I mean, she was really she didn't meet much since since she was gone, even like for three years, which is like crazy to think. She had two kids after like in that time. So I mean, but she really was in a good shape and that was really tough matches. I said I was nervous the first set because I I mean I saw that she's putting some good level in there. And uh, yeah, that took like really a lot of 
effort from me to win that match. What did you learn from that match? What did you learn about the level and about the tennis that you need to be able to play or that you can play? Well, that no one there is giving you anything. I mean, that's like obvious, I guess. But just if you don't take also your opportunities, like if you get tight, even on one like ball, like you don't close the important game, they, let's say smell it, immediately they smell the blood and they're coming after you. So, I mean, it's just about taking your opportunities all the time, don't miss the chances and uh, yeah, taking what's yours. Did she feel like maybe she got tired? Did you did you tire her out? Mm, I think after second set, I could feel that I just gained my like really good level of tennis, which was bringing me like let's say points games and could bring me the win after all. So I mean, the first games I knew that the first games in the third set were really important, and I think I was down zero one and even had like some game point or break point, I don't really remember. But I mean, the first games were really important. And when I got like back to 1-0 one, one and like put it on 2-1 on my side. So I was like, okay, that's the moment when, when I need to, let's say, level up and put my all of the efforts, all of the powers I have now. And I think, but I actually felt like she, let's say, got a bit tired on 4-1 in the third set, which is, I mean, really end of the match. So I don't think, like, I was feeling that she was tired throughout the whole match. So it was just basically last two games, maybe. And what about uh, playing a big lefty, the girl's twice your size, Haddad Maya? <laughs> what was that like uh, to play such a big left-handed, uh, strong player? Yeah. She's, she's very imposing looking. She's a great player, of course, but I mean, for me, she has some advantages advantages over me with her, like, let's say, height and something like this, but I, okay, I have my advantages, I know my strengths, and I know what I can do, so let's say I was trying to focusing on what's, what, what I have, and uh, let's say first three games, like, she literally, like, started to killing me with her shots, I saw the spin, and I thought, like, okay, I don't know, I'll be lucky if I take a few games today, but then, I don't know, I was listening to my coach. He basically gave me some belief in myself that uh, she cannot play as good as she was playing first three games the whole match. So, yeah, I just was believing in that and was waiting for my opportunity to, let's say, turn the match on my side. And the moment came, yeah, so I was just being patient and trying to focusing on my strengths. <laughs> and your strength is, is your two-handed backhand, your backhand up the line. You love to hit the backhand down the line, don't you? Well, that match, it was working, like, really well. So it was my favorite, like, it is my favorite shot. So, but that match, it was working, really was working for me. <laughs> was that the best you played? I don't know. Yeah, probably I would say so. That was my... I put really good level in there. I want to believe that I will improve from there on, but I just know what I'm capable of now and we want to improve them from there. But uh, yeah, that was really good level for me. You played Kostiuk and lost quickly. Were you exhausted? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was coming into the match like really exhausted. My I was trying not to show it the first two games, but then the weather, the weather conditions also were like really tough and we were stopping the match, especially in the beginning, like I think three or two or three times we were just like coming into the court warming up for five minutes play one game 
going back for another 20. And it was, I mean, that exhausted me even more. Going this for one hour, I was mentally just, I think I got mentally burnt out. And uh, yeah, she was, but she, she's been a really great match. I mean, she was playing good, so. Were you disappointed or did the tournament make you feel like you could, mm -hmm. you could do well? Well, of course, like once you once you're there you're expecting much more from yourself and you don't really think you know when i was there and i passed like through the third round i didn't really feel like i was in the second week of the australian open like i saw the outside i see people are texting me but i was not feeling like super overwhelmed by that i was like let's say hungry for more i think the appetite is coming you know with the food <laughs> once you're there yeah i was just like getting hungry and hungrier but of course my body and my Mentally, I was exhausted, and uh, I think, but after all, like, when I walked out of the court, I was a bit sad, like, I was sad for a bit, but anyway, I knew that it has been an unbelievable, like, two weeks for me there, and uh, I gave it all, so I tried my best, and uh, now we just, yeah, well, I was so happy with the result, like, couldn't be more happier. <laughs> It's incredible. You changed your whole. You changed your whole life. Uh, maybe let's say I put some another starting point from where we. Yeah, just because basically, like coming into this year, the goal was to finish into the top hundred. Like to be realistically, like we just wanted to finish in the top hundred. But of course, when you're top hundred, I um, was let's say hundred something in the end of January. Of course, you set the new goals for yourself and you want more from yourself. So I think now we just have to reset something and, uh, yeah, go for more. Now, who is your coach? Tell me about your coach. Uh, my coach is Ane Morel. Uh, he's from uh, Slovenia. And you train out of Slovenia with, with Coach Morel. Yeah. And and who is he? Who is he coached before? Uh, he didn't really have a lot of, I think, pro players. I think at some point he was coaching uh, Tamira Pazdzik when she was a youngster and she was, like, playing really good on the, like, in her 20s. I think he was coaching her back then. But then I actually, yeah, Pasha. actually I knew him since 2019 because he used to travel with me on some of the junior tournaments as a just as a travel coach. And we really, you know, we really like bonded together. I would really like, I really like to travel with him. I felt like he can give me more. And uh, yeah, but then, as I said, like the COVID hit and we didn't see each other for like, I think another two, two and a half years. And then in 2022, I was at the point where I couldn't really go back home. It was like tough times in uh, back in my home. So I was just left in Europe with uh, not much of an option so i decided to reach out to him and uh yeah so we've been let's say working since april of 2022 consistently together and and what language do you guys speak to each other uh we speak english between each other but uh i mean i understand a bit of slovenian when he's like speaking slovenian to someone like i listen i observe i understand and same he can understand russian so but i mean if we want to communicate with each other we do it in english <laughs> you said something i want to ask about it um would it be fair to say that the war has adjusted the the lives and training schedules of of your of the Russian players? Well, it changed the lifestyle pretty much. It changed like a lot of plans. Uh, I don't know, back then, I didn't think it changed for the better, but you know, what's done is done. It's like, it is what it is. We just 
we all adjusted to the situation and now we it's like a new reality for us so i mean now now i don't really feel like it affected somehow my life but of course we had to adjust to some changes what's it like being a russian player on tour i mean there's so many russian players what's it like yeah, I mean now now it's so we have a lot of players in the top hundred. Like I see younger girls coming in there, and uh, it's really great. It's really great to see that them progress. To see that from our country, like despite the situation, we're still like playing. We're still showing some good level on every good tournament. Now there's at least like I don't know two or three Russians. That's great to see. And but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean, everyone just do their own thing. I'm just happy that in our sports we can still play tournaments because many other sports uh, don't have this option, like team sports or whatever, but we are able to go play out there, do our job, do what we love. So yeah, I'm just happy about that. Let's move into the third set. This is the portion of our show where we talk about, I say your career, we've already been talking about your career is just getting going, it feels, but the fact of the matter is, is that you did special things as a junior. I want to talk about it. But Masha, tell us, where does your tennis begin? Does it begin in Moscow? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, my parents brought me, let's say, into tennis when I was six, nearly six years old. So, and my career started in Moscow. Public tennis? Just uh, they they got you playing tennis, or you go to a private club? Like, how did you how did you get good? No, it was just a tennis school. It calls Spartak. And uh, I don't know, Andrei Rublev was starting there, Karen Kachanov, and a lot of players from the past, from not from my generation, from the previous one. <laughs> so they all were starting there. So it yeah. was one of the best, let's say, kids tennis school in uh, our city. So you went to, Sp so in Moscow, you went to Spartak. Yeah. And that's where you learned tennis. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's where I've been practicing for the first, I think, four years of my career. So all the things, like technical things, I know it's we're getting there. And that's where all the most famous Russian coaches are. That's like a very serious program. And mostly, yeah, from what I know now, yeah. I mean, I haven't been practicing there in like in 10 years, I think. But now I think it's still one of the best schools and... If anyone wants to start to play tennis, I think it's the best place to start is there. And you were homeschooled right from the beginning? Uh, almost. I mean, I was going to school first three grades. I was studying good. I, I remember, like, I was a good student <laughs> back then. But uh, then I think after the third grade, I was about, like, 10, 10 years old. And that was the point where my coach told my parents that we basically need to start it to practice let's say one-on-one -on -one. I mean to spend more time in tennis and if we are ready let's say to combine school with it or do we want like to pursue a tennis career because like she my coach she insisted that I had a like future and I can play really good so my parents decided to like they made a decision that it's better to be homeschooled and pursue the tennis career. When were you, I guess you were identified by the Federation as a good player. Mm -hmm. you, and you started playing uh, international tournaments. I'm curious about Le Petit A. I mean, I was not in the national team under 12. 
the only year I was playing for, let's say, national team, it was under 14 when I was, like, the year I won the Lepititas, and it was really good year in my junior career, like, in my teenage, let's say, career, whatever. And, uh, but then I wouldn't say I was, like, very close to um, recognized with Federation from the very beginning, but, I mean, eventually, yeah, when I was playing under 14, I was, yeah, playing for the national team there and uh, so on. When you won La Patia, they that, that's that's usually a very big deal. Uh, that was actually. I mean, I was coming. I remember I played the tournament before. There was also some G one. The tournament was called back then. Uh, in Russia, it was the week before the Lepititas. So I won that tournament in singles and in doubles, and I was coming like really confident in Lepititas. But anyway, I knew like that the tournament is huge, and I had some. Not responsibilities, but I felt the pressure because I think I was one of the top seeds there. Uh, but anyway, my parents were there with me. My coach was there and they tried to, let's say, cheer me up. Anyway, just support me there. And uh, yeah, in the end, when I won it, like singles and doubles, <laughs> I mean, I yeah, I was just so happy. I couldn't ask. Like back then, that was the biggest achievement of my career. So I was very happy. <laughs> Were there conversations like, okay, listen, you're going to be a pro <laughs> player. Like, this is how it's going to be. Was that, or that, are you already knew that? Uh, I knew that basically when my parents uh, took a decision to make me like homeschooled, like to study from home. And uh, we, that, that same year, we moved to another city in Russia from Moscow. Uh, I, I moved with my grandmother to the Sochi. I don't know if you know, but there was, yeah, there was Olympics Sochi. 2014, yeah. the Winter Olympics. And uh, yeah. yeah, I moved there to practice. And then I knew like that I have also some responsibilities and uh, kind of like that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my adult life. And uh, that's how my career is going to look like. So. <laughs> and what about uh, like being a kid? What about like... Uh boyfriends and uh you're just laughing you're laughing like do you have do you have a do you have a social life i i mean i didn't miss out on uh anything like as a kid i had i've had friends like anyone else most of them like 90 percent are from sports we have some family friends which are outside of tennis like which are just like fam friends of the family and uh anyway so i've had a life had a great childhood had a lot of friends just it might seem different to other kids and like to the people of my age but i was a happy kid so that's i think the most important thing <laughs> well you've got a very nice personality you you seem like you are enjoying your life um we see a lot of miserable we see a lot of miserable people in pro tennis uh, not everybody has a happy attitude but I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I mean, the life is tough itself. So let's say if I would also be depressed and miserable, that would be kind of, kind of pity. So I'm trying to take the best out of it. Do you ever um, feel burnt out? Uh, yeah, it can be. There can be some like low points in uh, tennis, especially when you travel a lot. It, it really hits you hard. Um, even now, in the beginning of the year, let's say, we've been traveling to Australia, then I went home for a bit, 
like to uh, anyway to deal with some documents so i was not like let's say taking a vacation there and uh, then we hit the middle east then we're here now in america so it's a lot of like time differences it's a lot of like long flights you don't see your family a lot so and now actually i think it's let's say i'm coming to the better point at my career where i play nice tournaments i'm in the nice places and i want to share these moments with someone like with my family with my i don't know people my close people but i'm not able to unfortunately like i mean soon i hope i will be like maybe next years but uh, of course you want to share this moment with someone and uh, that's i think where you feel a bit of sad and might have a burnout but i mean we're all in the same situation i know that i'm not the only one and uh, so i try to let's say just stay positive and uh, do my job and think of it as a as a job <laughs> are you ready to play well um this year are you going to be able are you going to be able to continue what you started in Australia? I hope so. Of course, now I've had like more pressure on my shoulders and uh, now people basically are aware of me, of who I am. And uh, of course I get like more, more messages. Like I got a lot of followers on social media, like after Australia and more people I see there now following, let's say me and following my results, my, what I'm doing. They're curious which tournaments I'm going to play next to follow my results there. So of course that's some responsibility and uh, I hope I will learn to, how to deal with it and to manage this, uh, let's say tightness and pressure and uh, yeah, to just keep playing on the good level and continue with the uh, good results. <laughs> What's the weather like down there now in the desert? We're gonna be there next week. Uh, you were already there. Oh, it's, uh, it's kind of hot, I would say. Like, we're coming from San Diego, where it was barely, I don't know, 15 degrees Celsius. And uh, now here is, like, 30 and sun. And uh, this, uh, I, I was very surprised that uh, basically all in California and uh, such a difference in the temperature and the, in the weather. So, But I like this weather. I mean, I like sun, so that's great. <laughs> so now you're just getting ready for qualities at the Indian Wells Tennis Garden. No, yes. Yes, we're just practicing and preparing. <laughs> Let's move into the fourth set. This is the 10-ball scramble. We go fast, okay? So I just say it, and you say what comes in your mind. Okay. I think we know the answer to this. Uh, favorite tournament? Uh, Australian Open. <laughs> your favorite city? Rome. I love Rome. We love Rome. That's the best. Rome is great. Rome is great. Italian food and uh, what can be better? <laughs> Your favorite player growing up? Uh, Roger Federer. And now, who do you, is there anyone you love to watch? Will you look and watch? Oh, that's a tough one. I don't really watch a lot of, let's say, women's tennis. I watch most of my friends, but in the men's tennis, Ah, uh, nothing really comes to mind as a, like I love to watch, but I would say Daniel Medvedev. He's entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> Have you spoken with him? Do you know him a little bit? Uh no, unfortunately not, but maybe, maybe, maybe I have to do it a bit better on some other tournaments. So like maybe we'll, we'll get the chance to meet. <laughs> maybe you gotta kick a soccer ball at him uh on the grass uh this week when he gets to town. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. What do you do with your credentials? Do you save them or do you throw them away? What do you do with your badges? Uh, I, I used to save them. And uh, back in my home, I have like, I'm 
I have a hanger for them. I hang them on the wall. But now I really travel a lot and I basically live in a travel bag. So I unfortunately I throw them away because I don't know, they just take space and I just don't want to like keep them around. Big entourage or lean and mean? Uh, I would say small group, lean and mean. Your favorite forehand? Uh, inside out. Your favorite backhand? Down the line. Is there someone serve that you love? Surf, um, surf, I don't know, Ivo Karlovic. <laughs> where, where, where's your favorite serve? Where do you like to place it? Uh, my surf, um, slice wide. <laughs> slice wide in the juice court. On the juice court, yeah. <laughs> the most cavalier thing you ever did with the prize money, right out of the office, was like the, like the biggest thing you ever bought. What I bought, I bought the uh, Dior sneakers. <laughs> in Australia. <laughs> no, actually, it, when I was in Dubai. In Dubai, because my prize money just arrived when I was there. So I was like, okay, time to spend it. <laughs> Dior sneakers. Yeah. <laughs> Are you wearing them right now? Uh, not right now, but I, I'm sure keep them with me for a better occasion, <laughs> for a good occasion. <laughs> Let's move into the fifth and final set. This is the queen of the court. If you could be the queen of tennis and make a change in the sport with no problems, no aggravation, just with a swing of the racket, what would it be? Well, I don't know. I would really love to if uh, women's if WTA prize money would come to the ATP prize money on most of the tournaments. Of course, I'm really happy that the slams, they're equal. But most of the tournaments throughout, like, WTA and uh, for the year, like, WTA compared to ATP, we had much less prize money, but WTA are doing their best. So maybe in the meantime, in I don't know, next few years, they will manage that. And I think um, every female player will be will be really happy with that. Are you hearing a lot of chatter about the Saudis coming in to uh, mm. be be very involved with the WTA? Uh, I didn't, I read some news about it, but I, I've read, I think about that Saudi are coming for ATP, that they're partnering with ATP tour. So I don't know how it will be with WTA, if they're going to combine somehow together, but yeah, that why not? I mean, it looks like a great partnership. So <laughs> that can be great. Well, the money will be there. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we will see. We'll see about that. Hey, listen, I, 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 um, as I told you, I saw you in, I saw you that first day against Cornet in Australia. <laughs> I, you caught my eye in a interesting way. I thought your tennis was really interesting and and strong, and it was fun to see you play that tournament. I'm glad we had a great chance to talk. Thank you, thank you. It was a pleasure for me to talk and to tell my story <laughs> great story listen um have a terrific tournament uh maybe we'll see yeah. you down we'll see you down there uh in india yeah. wells Thank you. uh so. and 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 how does somebody find your kiss my ace how do they find that you can just put it down in the youtube like kiss my ace or we're also on instagram but of course our our main platform is youtube we post everything there so the followers make sure to subscribe. <laughs> and, and, and now hang on a second. And you you video with your phones? 
Uh, I, I have a camera. I have a camera, but my friend, she's, yeah, she's doing everything uh, in her phone. Is the microphone on the camera that you use? Uh, yes. Yes, it's right on the camera. <laughs> and I see you use the, you use the stick. You have a stick. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I look more like a so I look more like a vlogger. <laughs> and and uh, what program do you edit on? I edit in VN. It's uh it's an app, but I might change that because uh, when I was doing Australia, Australia was like really long video, so it's been the app was glitching a lot. So I think I might change that, and I'm looking for some <laughs> good program for that. And do you edit on the laptop? Yes, yes, I do it on my MacBook. And is it something that's like something like that sort of uh, a distraction, something that you enjoy aside away from the court? Yeah, and that's like my hobby. Like for some people, it's, I don't know, reading, walking. For me, I also like to walk, but that's my main hobby. And I really like to do that. It's really, let's say, sets my mind off tennis a bit, like when it's some difficulties. I really enjoy doing this. Listen, my only request, try one, do one episode in English. Yeah, we were actually waiting for the moment where we will have, uh, let's say, more of the foreign subscribers. But uh, now I think we have a lot, so we might do one of the next episodes in English and subtitle in, in Russian. <laughs> okay, listen, this was terrific. Masha Timofieva, you are released. <laughs> Thank you very much. I've enjoyed my time with you here. And uh, yeah, hope to see you soon uh, here in uh, India as well. Thank you to Masha Timofieva. And thank you to Diodora. Use my code APPROVED in all caps at hollabirdsports.com for 15% off of all Diodora performance tennis shoes. Megan Fernandez edited the show. Our music is by Brian Senti. We'll be back next time with more of the most interesting voices in the sport. Until then, I'm Craig Shapiro, and you are released.